G'day, teabaggers. It's Will here. Um, here's a brand new episode with a brand new guest, Charlie. His name is Troy Kinney. Some Australians might know him from his uh, show, Kinney, uh, which is uh, on Seven, mate. If you have not checked out Kinney yet, go and check out Kinney. I like to say Kinney. It's fun. Uh, he's a really great guest. I really enjoyed this chat. We laughed a lot and uh, we had a really great time. So uh, I'm not going to bang on too much. I'll give you the quick plugs. Uh, May 15th, Friday night, huge set list show at the Hollywood Improv. If you ever want to come out and see a set list, this is the one to come to. Emo Phillips, TJ Miller, Eliza Skinner, myself, Rick Overton, uh, brilliant comedy legend Rick Overton. People will know him from Groundhog Day and about 90 other movies. So uh, it's going to be an absolutely massive show down there. So come and see that. Uh, my Free Will Tour, it's getting soon. If you are in London or the UK area and you want to come and see Free Will, I'm at the Soho Theatre for two weeks. The first two weeks of June, uh, it is selling pretty well. So getting quick for tickets. And uh, I will give you a link. I'll put a link up on the Facebook and all those sort of places when we have the link for the live Fofop show. But that will be on, uh, I believe, June the 6th. Saturday night, June the 6th at 11pm uh, at this stage. So if you're going to buy tickets for the show and that, maybe buy tickets for the Saturday night. Go and have some dinner or whatever in between and then come to the live podcast. Felicity Ward has already confirmed and there will be some other huge guests as well. It's going to be it's going to be really fun, so you should come to that. Uh, after that, uh, Charlie and I are doing a live faux-fop, toe-fop, uh, whatever it will be, super pod. Who knows what it'll be, but at the LA Podcast Festival, we will be doing that, so uh, make sure that you look out for that as well. My free will tour uh, after the UK, I'm going to do it uh, uh, July the 11th. Uh, it's a Saturday night. I'll be doing it at Meltdown, uh, and uh, I will be doing it at the end of July at the Montreal Just for Last Festival. So watch out for the dates for all of those. After that, I've got Sydney shows in August, and I've got Perth shows in October. So if you want to come and see me, uh, come and see me. That's what that's when you can do it. My Illuminati DVD is still for sale, so please uh, download that, buy that, share that around, tell people about that. That'd be really cool. And hopefully if we uh, sell enough of those, then we can uh, make another one and uh, make a DVD of Free Will at the end of the year, somewhere or somehow. So, you know, buy buy the first one first. And then that will encourage everybody to get involved in me filming the next one. Uh, Check out my other podcast, Willosophy, and check out Charlie's other podcast, That's Awesome. Uh, Okay, that's about it. I'm not going to plug too much. But yeah, rate the podcast. Um, Thanks for listening. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Troy Kinney. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Fofop, I'm Will Anderson and uh, guest Charlie uh, for the very first time on the show, which is very exciting, nice to have him here. We actually just ran into the street uh, in LA, uh, ran into each other in the street in LA and uh, so this is pretty much how I program this podcast. Uh, Please welcome Troy Kinney, how are you mate? Thank you, thanks for having me. Hey, mate, uh, it was. This is like this is pretty much how this podcast yeah. comes together. It's like I walked by you on the street. I was getting a haircut when right. I first saw you, and it was one of those things. The guy was shaving the back of my head, and I couldn't really turn my head. Right. You, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like looking. So I, go, I think that was a mate of mine. Now so, this is a pretty good spot though because I yeah. was on my morning walk. I was going to get a cup of coffee, and so I had like a black cap on. Like I had like a shirt on that would have been like you know the collar would have been up. Yeah. And I would have been quite protected. I would have been in a pair of tracky dacks with headphones the headphones in. on. <laughs> 
So that's like that's a pretty good spot to out of the corner of your eye, eye not yeah. to, like to, to spot that it was me. Yeah, and you you do have a certain walk. I think that's what triggered it. I've seen. That. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, you and Shane Warne have a specific walk. The, the only difference is he's leading up to bowl a ball in a cricket match. You just <laughs> I pretty much walk like Warney ran into bowl. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> What I, what I did notice is you, you looked like you had somewhere to go. I thought he must be doing shopping or something. But on the way back, you didn't have anything in your hands. No. So where did you go? Well, no. So I have a little morning walk. It takes about an hour. Right. And it's just kind just of my little... get things going. Yeah, to get things right. going. And I walked down to uh, this one place that does good coffee because, you know, it's right. America. And, yeah. you know, you normally have to walk about yeah. an hour to find a place that has good coffee. <laughs> um, and so I walked to that place and I have my cup of coffee and then I walk back. That's Great. my kind of my morning walk that I'm doing. Great. Uh, for listeners to the podcast, um, I had to, I had given up coffee for a while, right. but I'm back on the coffee again right. now. So I'm proud of it. Well, <laughs> I'm not proud of it necessarily. I had an issue for a while, and this is gross, and you don't need to know about this. Mm. But like you know, well, you're a little bit younger than me, but you're of a you know a similar sort of yeah. age to me, and your body starts to change. Yeah, there are foods and whatever that you could eat, and you know whatever Absolutely. when you were young. That and then, don't you reckon it's as soon as you hit thirty? Oh. It's your thirtieth birthday party is a going away party for your metabolism. Well, I just think your body is like you're meant to be dead. Yeah, like in the way that human beings are designed, you're actually meant to be dead. So from now on, we're just going to give you a series of problems <laughs> because this is a complete mystery to us, and you're not meant to be alive. Well, it's like anymore. I told you, I've been hanging out for the last couple of weeks with uh, another mate of mine that works on the TV show. Twenty-four years old, I'm thirty-seven, and we'll go out, and the next day he's like up and ready. So where are we going this time? And I'm like, mate, I need three days off till we can do that again. <laughs> right. Three days, three months, mate. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember in the old days, I used to be able to eat, like, I loved onion rings. Right. Like, and it, you know, if you went to one of those places where they do, like, one of those towers <laughs> of onion rings, I would be able to eat that entire tower of yeah. onion rings. Now, if, like, somebody's been making a salad in a kitchen and somebody <laughs> walked by with an onion and I <laughs> eat that salad, I will have diarrhea for a week. Like... <laughs> I mean, what happened? I like, I've all of a sudden discovered I'm a malabsorber of fructose. Oh, hang on. Which wasn't what, a problem what, when what I was in my mean? teens. It means um, anything that's uh, got fructose in it. Yeah, but what, I, what does have fructose all in right, it? Give that, us an example. The answer for that is pretty much fucking everything, everything. Will. <laughs> Broccoli is bad for me. Broccoli? Fucking work that out. You're the one person yeah. in the world who like... So just then, I just ordered a, a scrambled eggs thing that had a spray, and I had to say no broccoli. They think it's because oh, he's like a four-year-old doesn't eat broccoli. It's like no, no. If I eat it, I'll get the runs. That's right. what happens. Well, I, I had that. I went through a period with coffee where, for mm. whatever reason, like if I did what I tried to do, I would have to drink coffee in the look in the safety of my own home. Yeah. Like if I was going to enjoy a coffee, I couldn't really truly enjoy it <laughs> if I wasn't within sprinting distance of a toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the idea of going out for a walk in the morning and halfway through that walk getting a cup of coffee mm. and then thinking that i could walk all yeah. the way home like there was a period in my life where that was a nightmare but for whatever reason i feel like it, this place if i have my one coffee everything yeah, yeah. Fun. well that's what probably with the whole getting older thing that's probably become the saddest bit of my life is i've realized if i want to continue to eat the foods i enjoy i just have to accept that diarrhea is going to be a big right. part of my life <laughs> I love that that's the piece you've made with it. 
Like you're so, like, well, I guess I'm not giving up the foods, yeah. so I've got to make peace with the diarrhea. <laughs> so I've got another friend who actually lives out here, and she's got the same thing, which it's rare to find someone else who has the same thing. And I ordered something. She goes, you can't have onion, can you, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, well, but you don't do it all the time. She goes, well, I just cut out everything I can't have. And she, yeah. she goes, if you eat that, won't you sort of get stomach upset? And I just gave a little shrug like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so, what's the alternative? Right. To not enjoy eating it. No one's ever died of a stomach upset. <laughs> well, they have actually. It's, it's quite common. It's one of the leading causes of death in the world, actually. <laughs> Malnutrition through diarrhea. It's actually a really, really serious problem. <laughs> Add that to the list of things. Uh, what what sort of foods do you enjoy when you when you want <clears throat> to eat? Like, what what's your kind of you know thing that you like to eat? I'd say pizza is my favourite oh, yeah? indulgence food. Yeah. Do you, now, I, I like this because I think you can t- learn a lot of, about somebody by what sort of pizzas they eat. Yeah. So tell me, when, what sort of pizza do you eat? Do you like a gourmet? Do you like a mass-produced? Do you like a thin crust? Is it a thick crust? Do you always order the same one? <laughs> I want to know all about your pizza. All right. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm in Australia, yep. uh, just my every you know, go-to delivery pizza, half Aussie, half barbecue chicken. Okay, so barbecue chicken. <laughs> is barbecue chicken an international pizza or is that a know. specifically Australian pizza? I think it might be Australian. It you feels really very it Australian. If you, if you get it over here, you sort of have to make it yourself. Right. You've got to add something. <laughs> <laughs> become, a <bit> of a, <laughs> become a bit of a chef. And the Aussie, what does the Aussie have on it? Uh, ham, egg. Oh, uh, egg. But yeah, eggs, so basically any time like, Aussie's in the title of something, <laughs> it's got egg. egg in it, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> But uh, I've, over here, I, uh, I tend to, and I've taken this back with me, I'll get um, uh, just a, a margarita, uh-huh. but I'll add chicken. Oh, okay. Occasionally yeah. capsicum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> over here, it's bell peppers in LA. Okay, yeah, well, that's interesting. All right. Cause I, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for the thick crust. The thick crust. A lot crust. of people are thin these days. Yeah. Huh? I don't mind. Have thick. you been to, like, uh, who has the Chicago deep dish? Have you been to Chicago? I haven't and been had to the Chicago, deep dish? no. Because that's I, their, their thing's all about the. Yeah. But I've had one in New York that was, you know, claiming that and it was very thick and fluffy and, yeah, it made me want to go to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got to say, I'm, uh, I'm more your thin crust. Right. Not your, like, super thin crust, but, yeah. like, your traditionally thin crust. Yeah. And I love American pizza. Like, in yeah. that way, like, a margarita pizza, because I'm vegetarian, but, like, a margarita pizza in America, I, I, wouldn't, care, I wouldn't care if I ate meat. Yeah, I would yeah. just eat a margarita pizza yeah. how it comes yeah. because it's just pizza. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. And it takes you a while to adjust to that when you come to Australia that they have no toppings most of the time. Right. Or just one or two. Whereas at home, you know, we've got ten toppings on each side. I mean, that Once is, you get used to it, it's good. I, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I think I, I've got to be honest with you. I don't want too much stuff on the top of yeah. my pizza. Like, once you, you go like, why are you putting all this extra shit on yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Like, just serve me the pizza separate and I'll get a bowl of these other Yeah, yeah, you've got to hold it like a bowl. You're holding your slice curved, concave. Right, so just give me all there. this other shit on the side. <laughs> oh, shit. I've spilled water all over myself. It's okay. Here's, here's how much I love pizza. I remember once at uh, Ocean Grove. Oh, yeah. I won't name the restaurant. Uh, my friend and I got pizza and a uh, severe case of food poisoning. Oh, yeah, okay. For two days, just sick. And I said a couple of times, I'm not, I'm off pizza. Right. Like, can't do it. Two days later, once I was better, same pizza from the same restaurant. No, not, even, not even a different restaurant. No, no. Like two days it, later. Because it was the only one in there. 
because I was like, like surely can, they've changed the meat over by now. <laughs> I can see how you could get back on the pizza. Yeah, yeah. Like because like pizza is one of those things that it's easy. I I mean, for example, like I mean, I haven't eaten meat in fifteen years. But yeah. when I was a kid, when I was like a teenager, I remember this. Like we had a trip to Lake Entrance mm-hmm. uh, that you'd know. Yeah. And uh, we went to Lake Entrance, and um, there's that, that big windy road off the hill into Lake Entrance, yeah, yeah. right? So it's my like, I guess it's like I'm about 13 or 14 and it's my birthday. I know that it's my birthday. And we've gone to Lake Centres maybe for like a couple of weeks or maybe just for that day to have like a trip. And I remember we went down to the fishermen's markets Mm. and we had, I had curried scallops, (laughs) right? Which at the time was my favorite meal in the entire world. I loved curried scallops. Now, what I need to say. How old are you again? I'm going to say 12 or 13, (laughs) right? And Most twelve-year-olds are like their favourite food is a Kit Kat or something, right? Mum, can we can we get those curried scallops? <laughs> but I ate like it was like a shopping bag full of curried scallops. Like <laughs> it, it was so many curried scallops. Like it, I was a big kid too, but I was like, and then I think I was reading my book in the back seat of the car and we went up that windy hill mm. to go out of Lake Centrance mm. and all those curry scallops came up the other way. And even me now, 41 years old, yeah. all, all those years later, me saying those really? words, curry scallops makes me feel ill. Still not back on Still it. Still not back on it. That's funny. But pizza, I reckon you could turn around pizza pretty Pizza is the one, yeah, where you'll... Give it a pass. <laughs> well, pizza's like, you know what, pizza, like having a bad pizza is like seeing, like, I, the other night I was watching uh, LeBron James play yeah. in, the, in the NBA, right? Now, yeah. LeBron James is clearly the best player who's been in that competition for the last 10 years. Yeah. And he normally steps up at those big occasions. And he just had an okay right. game. And, and it reminded me that it doesn't matter, like, whatever sport there is in the world, yeah. even the guys who are, like, it must be so weird because when you're watching LeBron not be good, yeah. you're just going, like, he, even he must be going, why am I not just yeah, going yeah. through the middle and, like, dunking it like <laughs> yeah. I normally do? Yeah. Like, I'm normally awesome. It's like when you have a surprisingly bad gig yeah. just for no reason. Yeah. Like, where you're like, these are the same jokes as last night and the same jo- <laughs> and I'm telling them the same way. There's no reason this should, but sometimes it just doesn't yeah. work. And I think you forgive the champions. Yeah. Like, pizza's been And that's good. when you say the comedian, right. it's not my fault, it's right. the crowd's fault. Yeah. It's not the pizza's fault. It's not the pizza's fault. <laughs> pizza's had, everyone has a bad night, yeah. you know? <laughs> Pizza's the one thing we'll let off the hook quite right. I mean, just it's consistent. Like it's done it's done such a good job yeah, for such yeah. a good time that it can have its occasional mishap yeah, and people yeah. are like, you know what? <laughs> I um the thing about pizza that really like and this is, you know, how good pizza can be, I think, is that I bought at uh, Trader Joe's, they make this little sort of like mushroom sort of pizza thing. And it's a frozen pizza. Right. And I normally would never eat frozen pizza because you can yeah. just buy fresh pizza for about the same price yeah. so i never understand why you yeah, yeah. right but i the other day i had um i had this one like thing and it's been in my fr- freezer for like eight months or whatever and i got back from um uh one of my overseas trips and it was the wrong time of the day for you to be able to buy pizza you know like but it was but pizza was exactly what i wanted yeah and i had this frozen pizza and i was like this is fucking tasty yeah good on you pizza yeah yeah, yeah. i mean pizza in any form will work yeah that's the thing I did the same thing. I had frozen pizza in there. Didn't even know what the ingredients were. Like it was one that I hadn't seen. And it's like, yeah, it tastes a bit funny, but I think just holding it like a pizza right. makes your brain realise, <laughs> well, hey, you're eating pizza. Huh? Yeah, a lot of it's... <laughs> what do you got to whinge about? A lot of it's sense memory. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, yeah, this, that's very funny. I remember funny. I had, um, I don't know what the biscuits are called, the biscuits when I was little. I don't think they're Monte Carlo's, but those ones that they've got pink in the middle and they're sort of rough. 
on the outside. Isn't it an ice Volvo? No, no. no. I think that is a Monte Carlo. Oh. It might be. It might yeah, be the Monte yeah. Carlo, I reckon. Well, when I was little, like as in five years old, I had one of those for the first time and it made my gums bleed. Oh, yeah. And now the Monte, oh, Carlo up, Monte Carlo is my curried scallop. Oh, right. Can't, <laughs> can't put it back it. in your mouth. Can't have one. That, nah. that shit's going to fuck like, me up. If I see it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. If I see one, I'm like, oh, no. Nah, I mean, happening. but they were. I mean, I think there probably should have been an age limit on your yeah. Monte Carlo because they would fuck up your mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So it's my mum's fault. <laughs> Like speaking of like taste changing though, I think that it is really interesting with that sort of stuff because I never thought I would be this person, but my body and my taste has changed. <clears throat> yeah. Like I now prefer dark chocolate. Yeah. Like right. you know when everyone was always like, Oh no, I actually prefer dark chocolate, you'd be like, No, you don't. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. No one prefers dark chocolate. That's true, it does. And then change. they just got to a point where I was like, yeah. you know what, I prefer like the dark chocolate. Yeah. And I'm like, What happened to me? <laughs> I'm all of a sudden hooked on asparagus. Oh. Love it, yeah. Now that uh, if you had any urine, we've it's, this has been a very bodily fluids oh, no. <laughs> obsessed podcast so far. This is what happens if I record one in the morning, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it, 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 asparagus, you can mm. have the different coloured urine, and also like a it can be pungent in yeah, smell. Definitely, I've found the smell, and I I don't know why, but I some for some reason like that. Like I know that it's right. It's got. You like it's going through. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. doing. It's that's doing like, what it's that, to that's do. asparagus. Yeah. You know what that smell is? Someone being healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what health smells like, right there. Come out of the bathroom with an extra spring in my step of uh, pride. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I love, and admittedly, maybe I don't love them in all situations, but a Brussels sprout. Wow. So that's you know you never thought if you went yeah. back to you as a kid. Yeah, that's the the big red flag and had to explain. Yeah. yeah, but I, there's this uh, guy Tom Colicchio who's um, one of the judges on a TV show called Top Chef. Right. But he's also a brilliant. He has some brilliant restaurants in New right. York and here and a bunch of other places. But he's got one here called Craft. Right. And uh, I went there and it's actually you'd probably really enjoy it. It's like it's fine dining but done in a like really home style way. So you'll right. order like one like, you know, meat or protein or whatever. And then like there's a heap of selections of like sides that are like, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. I had this like ridiculous, like, I mean, this is that ridiculous. We went there for a special occasion because yeah. yeah, I love this chef. So please don't judge me too much on the <laughs> okay. next thing I'm about to say. But I had a uh, $50. It cost $50, but it was like a, um, uh, a black truffle mac and cheese, which was honestly <laughs> one of the fucking tastiest things I have ever tasted. Like, you feel okay. bad paying fifty dollars for like mac and cheese, even when it's got the, the word curry truffle scallop in it. just rolled in as grave. <laughs> <laughs> Been replaced very quick. No, but yeah, and they also had these like uh, fried Brussels sprout things that that's I, what's honestly, impressive. I could have. When it's something that you think you don't like and yeah. they somehow make it taste good. Oh, yeah. I went to, I think it's a similar one called Ink. That, uh, oh, another... so uh, that's uh, so is that the... Michael Voltaggio. Yes, yes. Uh, who was on one of the seasons of uh, Top Chef. Yeah. And I haven't been to Ink yet, but uh, I go to the Ink spot or whatever, the little sandwich There's shop a little that they have off the side of it. Of it. Yeah, yeah. They make some of the best sandwiches yeah. you will ever have in your life at that place. So yeah. tell me about Ink. Was it good? Ink was incredible. So I was lucky enough to go with a friend of mine um, who knows... Uh, the chef, one of his best mates. Oh, right. So awesome. we got everything brought out and paid 
Abs- like next to nothing. Michael Voltaggio, when he was on uh, Top Chef, he was like the cool, like he had tats and he was yeah. like the cool, young, ambitious one. But he was on with his brother. That was an interesting series because right. his brother, who was also an excellent chef, yeah. were competing against That'd each be other weird. as well. It was good. It was good. I was quite a fan of that of that series. The one that <laughs> the one that stood out the most for me is, and they they sort of you know explain everyone every meal's got a bit of a story of what oh. it's supposed to be doing. And uh, one was these small baked potatoes. And the idea is that they're, they're blackened for some reason. It's supposed to represent a campfire. And when you eat it, you feel like you're somewhat tasting and feel like you're around a campfire. And I was like, yeah, just put it there. And I've, I've eaten a potato before. I may be about to just have either an idea that someone's already had right. or a really good idea. Yeah. So I'm not sure which of those two it is. Mostly when I think of something that's a really good idea, I assume it's actually something someone else has already thought of. Yeah. <laughs> but has anyone ever done a gig where they've got like, and they've made it maybe even a charity night or whatever, right. where the meals... Uh, like you know, inspired by the comedian's you know performance. Yeah, so you right. see somebody do like the twenty. You know, you come out, and you do your twenty minute routine about like you know, say growing up on the farm and yeah. blah 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 blah. And then the people eat the meal at the end. That's kind of prepared on that story. You're onto something. And then yeah. like you know, come out do another set. It's the next you know, yeah. course of the meal. Shit, that so could be that, a night, that's, right? That's a thing. That's 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 a thing. your next next, All right. next <laughs> That's our next festival show. <laughs> Except you have to be I'll serve the meals. Yeah. <laughs> if Shannon yeah. Bennett's listening, or um. no, I should say the campfire thing absolutely did it. Yeah, right. And like for some reason you eat it and you felt like you were sitting around a campfire. Yeah, like and they play with your brain somehow. Well, yeah. that's uh, like Esther Blumenthal, who's been right. in Australia, who's uh, the guy with the fat the for the fat uh, duck the fat restaurant. Duck, right. And you know a lot of their stuff. You know they put on headphones and stuff so people can like listen to the ocean and stuff. Or oh, they wow. hear the blah blah blah. And I get that. Yeah. It's part of the experience of like eating food. And it's getting the point of what else can you do? And you just when you think nothing else is there, right. you've come up with one. <laughs> Comedy gig where the food complements the jokes. I mean, that is. <laughs> I mean, like, I do a high class one for charity or something. Yeah, yeah. So you get a whole bunch of comedians, yeah. like, you know, each doing their however long it takes. And you get a bunch of like celebrity <laughs> chefs doing like a meal that's inspired by the comedians. Yeah, and people like- pay like. <laughs> You know, whatever, five hundred dollars a head, and we raise a m- bunch of money for charity and or whatever. The food somewhat resembles what you're talking. What about. What you're talking about? The only problem is most of my jokes are like cock balls and farts. Right. <laughs> uh, well, this is like a it's a beautiful meal. Uh, you know, it's been prepared around this theme, yeah. and then uh, the chef put his dick in it. Right at the end, you'll see that little imprint there. That's the the signature kinney. Like, on every every last word of the punchline, you see people spitting out them. <laughs> Um, So, uh, Troy Kinney, uh, some people will know who you are. Some people may not know who you are. We have a lot of international listeners and stuff as well. Uh, You have a television show back home, a sketch comedy television show, which in this day and age is uh, pretty rare on Australian television. But particularly, it's I mean, the show's called Kinney, Mm. and it's very much like one of those old school shows where it's really, it's your comedy, yeah, it's your yeah. sketch comedy show and then there's a bunch of other people who are also yeah. on it. But So how did that start? Where did that come from? Talk us through some of that story. Well, it, it started... Actually, you know what? Let's go back even before that. Yeah, right. Talk us about, <laughs> talk to people about where you come from. All right. Because that'll be interesting and we'll right. be able to... Well, I'm from a town called mm. Sale, which is a country town very close to where 
you were from. What's right. I went to school in Sale. Yeah. Um, people have heard me talk about Sale before. Yeah. And uh, I'm from a place called Denison, which is outside a place called Hayfield. And so I went to primary school in Hayfield, Hayfield so Primary. You're- I'm country, you're extra, extra country. Well, at last census, there was 421 people living where I grew up for the first 17 years of my life. Or as I like to point out to my comedy festival audiences, (laughs) there are more people in this room than there were in the entire area where I grew up. (laughs) 17 years, I saw less people than this. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. But, yes, yeah, so I went to school in <clears throat> Sale. So we're both, you know, from a Yeah, we're similar. both from Sale. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I grew up there and um, moved to Melbourne, uh, did uni. And eventually I did a lot of uh, radio, community radio shows, and I think it was that was mostly me knowing I should do stand-up. My oh. brother was always pushing me, saying, you should do stand-up. Because not because I'd be good at it, but because it would help me meet people like-minded. Right. And... Eventually, I was doing a radio show with a guy, and uh, we got uh, a show on Triple M, just a late night show. And then when that got cancelled, <laughs> he moved back to Sale, so I sort of had nothing else to do. So that's when I entered uh, Triple J Raw Comedy. That's also a <clears throat> weird moment, though. Like that, yeah. that's almost what you've almost explained is the nightmare that kept me going for about the yeah. first ten years, <laughs> which was if this doesn't work out, I'm going to have to move back to Sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good uh, good carrot to dangle in front of yourself. Really, <laughs> moving yes. back to sale. Yeah, but uh, so then I went in Triple J Royal Comedy and uh, you know did did all right, didn't win it or anything, and then just met like my brother was saying, met people who uh, said I should come and do this, you know, come and do the comic sounds, come and do this room, and then um, just uh, got obsessed with stand up, and I won a competition uh, that was. Um, the prize was a trip to New York to go to the uh, American Comedy Institute Ooh. for two weeks, which sounds so much more prestigious than it is. I mean, it sounds much like the Advanced Hair Studio yeah. or the Ponds Institute. You're not far wrong, so... So what is the American Comedy Institute? Well, it's it's really for people who are trying comedy for the first time, almost oh, okay. as a novelty thing. So the first day was how to take the microphone out of the stand. No, like, no exaggeration. But So you do all this, but at the end... <laughs> that, that said, yeah. people who've seen my gigs know that I still haven't yeah. mastered that. I was down yeah. at... It's a lot a, trickier than it looks. Right? I was playing a place called Rooster Tea Feathers, yeah. uh, like, which is like uh, Silicon Valley, and I was doing a week there. And last time I was in town, I broke two of their microphone stands. <laughs> and like, when I came back this week, the first thing they said to me was like, I oh, just, by the way, like we're glad to have you back, but could you please not break the mic? And I was like, oh my God, I'm that guy. <laughs> So I well, do I ne- have the course for you? I mean, I might need to go to this course. <laughs> so, but the, the good thing was, at the end, you do a spot at Caroline's on Broadway. Oh, yeah. World famous is, Caroline's yeah, on Broadway. It's at lunchtime okay. and everyone else in the course brings their family. And so it's like a gig where you can't go wrong. Right. But what happens at the end? I then had a five-minute video of me killing it at Caroline's. Oh, yeah, of <laughs> which course. Which I could just, right. but just looks like I'm on on a Saturday night. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but, yeah, there's no time <clears throat> clock on yeah, the back yeah. wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then the... Uh, like and one you, of those TV procedurals where they crack the case by going, hang on, <laughs> this skips forward to... I can see out the window. It's not dark at all. It's clearly the middle of the day. This is not a legitimate Caroline's gig. Oh, but the but the best thing of the course was you did three writing sessions with the guy afterwards, and oh, okay. they were un, they were awesome for someone starting out. Yeah, that really made you think you could 
right now I know how to write jokes. So I just became obsessed with stand-up after that. And then, yeah, I met people like Dave Thornton, Tom Seagat, Monty Franklin, became good friends with them. And uh, we ended up going to this, uh, entered in this competition to, uh, with Ch- Channel 7 and the Comedy Channel had a competition um, to pitch a show in writing and then they, they narrow it down to six finalists and you go to this thing called the Spa Conference, uh-huh. which is in Brisbane, and um, you basically go in front of a panel of judges, almost like um, the Shark Tank or whatever right. <laughs> the show is now. And you now, pitch your show How idea. do you spell spa? <laughs> S-P-A-A, I think it was. Okay, all right. Because yeah. <laughs> if you leave off one of those yeah. A's, that's a completely <laughs> different gig. Well, and, We're and just going to send you to a hot tub convention. And <laughs> but this is, <laughs> this, is what, this is what weeds out most of the competition, is you have to pay... I think it was two grand or something to go to this conference. That's oh. sort of the catch. So a oh. lot of people don't enter. It's like, oh, that's bullshit. Monty and I went to this conference. So we represented the four of us. And we wore suits uh-huh. that looked like we were supposed to be there. And we just walked in. Like they just thought we were supposed to be there because oh. we were in suits. So Perfect. we didn't pay. <laughs> that's the first time I've ever said that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Statue of Limitations yeah. is probably gone. So, uh, and we had a... But that's a, that's a great story because that's, yeah. I mean, they tell the story when you go on the Universal, uh, you know, tram tour, yeah, Universal right. Studios about Steven Spielberg <laughs> going on that tour and like, you know, jumping off the tram <clears throat> right. and like you know, getting onto the back lots and that's how he, <laughs> you know, so that's, yeah, your, that's your Spielberg origin story. I hear someone just did that at the Mayweather fight because they know Mayweather's got like 90 people in his entourage. Oh, mate, you could get A in- guy from England just... Went and joined the entourage and sat front row of the fight. Mate, you could get in that entourage. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people on that entourage. <laughs> I assume that those entourages have to operate on the buddy system. Yeah. They, like, they, they, at the start, they'd have to be like, everyone grab a partner. <laughs> everyone sound off. <laughs> Got to take a roll call at the start before they go in. <laughs> now, do, are we gonna, did everyone get the permission notes from their parents to be in the posse? Uh, no, so we were this uh, yeah the Spark conference and uh, we met with Channel Seven first and they basically said we you know we like you guys they they just like the idea that it was a group of friends making something they didn't care what the show was Channel Seven is interesting uh, in Australian network television much like American network television like there's kind of you know there's been well there's been Channel Nine there's been Channel Seven and there's been Channel Ten to a certain degree yeah. you know <laughs> even though they've kind of well in the old days yeah. they were great for comedy yeah. ten they were adventurous and took risks on comedy yeah but comedy hasn't really been that big on any <clears throat> of the the major network channels yeah. of late because of the changing nature of comedy. They've always liked Comedy Channel 7. Yeah, yeah. Like, over the years, Channel 7 have, like, if you went back and looked at all the shows they've done, that have tried to be comedy shows, and you looked at the casts of those shows, they have discovered or, like, been one of the, you know, first stepping stones on the careers of maybe 10 or 15 of the most brilliant comedians yeah, right. in Australia. Yeah. All in unwatchable pieces of shit. <laughs> like, you know, they know that, they know who's good. Yeah, yeah. And they know, like... But I think this comes to, I think in the old days, they would get in the way too much. Yeah, right. You know, they would get a bunch of funny people. Like, if you look back at the one that Hamish and Andy hosted, the sketch show, whatever that one was called. Like, Chris Lilly was in that, Hamish and Andy. Like, Rebecca de Unamuna. Like, there were so many people who came out. Andrew O'Keefe was in it. Like, all these people. And they, you know, some of it was funny, but like, it, it... it was one of those things where they got all the right people. Yeah. They just didn't know how to they make a shot. Leg sort of thing, yeah. So this idea that they maybe let you guys do a little bit. Well, let's not skip forward too much, yeah. but that you, they let you do a lot more of your own stuff is probably where yeah. they're starting to have some success. Well, basically, out of the Spa Conference, um, 
Channel 7 basically said, um, we, can, we will win their little competition yep. if we pull out of the Comedy Channel competition. Ooh, so, hang on. And we've, I don't know why, we felt like we, because on the Comedy Channel we had done Stand Up Australia and stuff right. and we thought we were in with more of a chance there. And with the Comedy Channel you actually get to make a pilot that's going to be shown um, and you get 25 grand to do that. Right. So we said, oh, we're going to stay and do the Comedy Channel one. Then we get a phone call and they call us back and they said, um, all right, we will give you 25 grand as well to make a pilot for us if you pull out of the Comedy Channel one. Right. And you're like, oh, I've, and been, I've been accidentally negotiating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise I was in a bidding war, yeah. but I've stumbled into one. And it's like, we should wear suits more often. Right. This is, <laughs> this is great. And for some reason, we went back and, uh, and said, we're, st- we're still going to do the Comedy Channel one. Right. I don't know why. We just thought we were going to win it. And, um, and Jason Garn was in that with uh, right. one of, uh, a show idea that he had. And uh, long story short, we went and did the pitch of the Comedy Channel one. And we came third. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is the thing, With you're the, turning down yeah. a guarantee, not because you've got an offer, like cause, yeah. not because you've won both, but because on the hope, like, yeah, I know, we'll probably win the other one as well, yeah. so let's definitely. And then, and then, so the lady from Channel 7 was sitting in the audience mm. of the Comedy Channel pitch, so they filmed that and everything, they show it on, um, on the Comedy Channel. Right. And then they still said, well, we'll still give you 25 grand to make a pilot for us. So we turned them down and then still <laughs> came out on top. I mean, that would have been the moment for them to just go, look, well, remember that original offer that didn't have the 25 grand? What do you think now, smartass? So we made that pilot. Um, oh, we made a pilot on our own and like just with our own cameras and everything, yep. took it back to them. They said, to be honest, this is better than we were expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit of an insult. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a great compliment. Yeah. But it's also very honest when yeah. they go, oh, this is... Well, yeah, because yeah. they hadn't got in the way of it and yeah. fucked it up. That's yeah. probably yeah. why. Normally our did. stuff's really shit by the time yeah. we fuck it up. And we did put some effort. We, um, we, filmed, we filmed a bunch of sketches and then filmed at the Elephant Wheelbarrow in St Kilda with our friends in the audience, like just uh, hide out the venue and you know, the, did a door deal with the owners. And we actually, like, we built a set that was just, we recreated my lounge room at the Elephant Wheelbarrow. So we actually, I live, like, probably a kilometre from the Elephant Wheelbarrow. Uh, Monty and I carried my couch down, carried, I had two shelves of DVDs. We carried those down and just put them on the stage. Well, what I love about that the most is, like, you know, there has been TV shows where they've recreated, like, you know, this is, like, that person's, like, couch or home. But you literally just took all your stuff. In fact, if you guys want to get a drink at the Elephant Wheelbarrow, the bar is in my apartment at the moment. We had to do a straight swap. And it was like, yeah, because after a show, you can't be bothered. So the, my lounge room was on the Elephant Wheelbarrow stage for about two days. <laughs> hey, hang on, did Troy move in here? Is, is he living here now? Is this... So then they got us to make another pilot and teamed us with uh, Fremantle Media. Okay, yeah. And we made a proper one, yep. you know. And in that one, it was... Very much, you know, it was Channel 7's thing. They, so as I was saying to you earlier, they, they controlled the editing of it, controlled a lot of the content ideas and things like that, which, you know, I assume is the way television works for yep. the way I, when I was doing it then. And all systems were go. They watched it. And we actually had uh, the guy who was one of the uh, executive producers 
uh, do a speech at the end of our... We had a rap screening party and say, um, now I suggest in the next couple of weeks you guys get writing because if this show isn't commissioned on the, uh, the vibe that's going on down there, I will give my left testicle. That's what he said. <laughs> and then the next week they turned it down because they bought Thank God You're Here and didn't need any more comedy. <laughs> so the best part is when I started the first season of Kinney, uh, this same guy uh, is working there and the first time we ran into each other six years later, he said, Troy, how are you going? I believe I owe you a testicle. <laughs> The only thing that would have been better than that is on if on your first day you're sitting down at your desk in the new offices and you get a little package. Oh, it's like a gift from the network. And you open it up and it's just his testicle just there. It's like. But uh, we then I uh, so when I had a, a meeting with uh, Marianne Carroll who uh, took over comedy at uh, Channel 7, she was yep. working on drama uh, as the head of drama, she took over comedy. And my manager messaged me an email saying, Forwarding an email for her saying she just looked through old stuff and saw the, that pilot we did. This is six years later. So in the meantime, I had um, met a, my friend uh, Max Price, who uh, is one of the he's in the show, one of the directors and editors. And we just took on as a full time job. Let's just film stuff every day, sketches. To, you know, in the because in between, in the interim, YouTube started. Right. So when we first did this pilot, there was no such thing as YouTube or Facebook or anything like that. So YouTube started, and it's like, well. Like, I used to make videos in year 10, like sketches, and show six people, like my mum and dad. We used to do it every weekend. And when I tell Max this, who's 24 years old, it blows his mind. It's like, why would you make something that only your friends are going to see? Like, you can't put it. It's like, well, that's all we could do. So for me to do something, make a sketch that anyone in the world can watch if they click on it, it's like, this is heaven. So we attacked it like it was a full-time job. Every day we'd meet, discuss some ideas, write a little script, film it, edit it that night, and put it on. And it sort of and paid off. Tell me this. Yeah. Where did that, because there's a lot of guys who <clears throat> have been doing comedy around the same amount of time as you've yeah. been doing comedy and who, are, you know, are in the same group of, you know, have, ha, were, were having, you know, people go, oh, yeah. you're funny and having success yeah. and, and whatever. Like, what made you be determined to do this thing that you weren't really, you know, getting... Like, what was driving you at that point? Well, that's probably, interesting to me. Yeah, probably also comes back to just in year... When I was in year 10, I'm like, that's what I wanted to do was right. make a sketch show. So that's all I did. So I guess, uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to do stand-up the rest of my life. It's, uh, you know, my, my bread and butter, I guess you'd say. Uh -huh. But for a lot of other people, that's all they want to do. And for me, it's like I sort of started stand-up to meet people so I could do this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, television, film, uh, just... I love the side of creating things and editing. I love editing um, videos and things like that. So when we started doing it, it wasn't... Because a lot of people ask me, how did you get the show and all that? It's like the, the key to it, and this is the hardest thing to do, is you've got to do it expecting nothing to come out of it. Right. You've got to do it purely because you want to do it for uh -huh. fun. And that's what we were doing. I understand. And, I have yeah. a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, there's no other good reason for me to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I noticed that before when you spilled the water, it went all over the stuff, and you're like, no, oh, well, we should, should still record. Right. So we go. I don't know. I told you beforehand <laughs> that I know enough as long as nothing goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. I can get the podcast out as long as everything goes <laughs> yeah. how it's meant to go. But <clears throat> Content is not the issue. No. Uh, speaking of me spilling <clears throat> my water, let's have a little break so I can get another water, cool. and then we'll, uh, we'll come back. <clears throat> All right, we're back. So we were kind of halfway through this story. Yeah. So let's let's continue on. So yeah, the funny thing is, then when I've had all this happen with 
did a pilot with Channel 7, didn't happen. Then we did a travel show pilot with them. Where now, what was the travel show oh, idea? God. Tell me this. Uh, I'm already regretting mentioning that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is it was called Places Without Postcards. Uh, myself, Monty Franklin and Tom Seagat go to places in, uh, in Australia that uh, don't have postcards because they're not that known. Okay. And the idea is, and I think you'll like this. I like that. That's me. all right. I'm we do a comedy gig for them. Yeah. And because what we found is when you do a comedy gig in a country town or something for a footy club or whatever, then as soon as you're done, if it goes well, they want you to hang around and stay the night. Tomorrow I'll take you fishing at this place. Tomorrow we'll do this. So the idea is you do a comedy gig for a town. The next day you see how much free shit you can get out of them, where they can take you. And that's where you do the tour of town. And at the end, we do like a, a, mo- a very action like movie trailer for their town. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that was the idea. I really like that. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, it's like uh, yeah, it would work because uh, and those like little movie packages, yeah. like a town'd love yeah, having yeah. their so sort of viral ad acting in it and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, so we had sort of all this plan what towns we're going to go to, and and then at the last minute. <laughs> This is a bit you like. I'll wait for you to swallow that because you might spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute, we got sp- like, this is literally three days before we're going. Uh-huh. We got sponsored by Air New Zealand. Right. So now we're doing the show in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we love the show. <laughs> But uh, we just got a sponsor from a sponsorship from Air Qatar. So, and and what do you know about Qatar? The gigs might not go as well, but I believe the next day is going to be a real adventure. And the we're going to New Zealand for like two weeks, and the gig is on the last night. Oh, so, so the complete opposite. So the idea of the show cannot happen because we're doing the gig on the last night. So we go and do um, all these places in New Zealand, and at the last place where the town was was called. Otarahunga, that was the name of the town. Okay. And uh, so we did film the trailer and everything. We, we got, um, uh, like, the mayor was in it and things like that. And on- If you didn't call it the Otarahunga Games, <laughs> I'm very disappointed. <laughs> well, I remember this is before the Hunger Games okay. happens, but it was when Entourage was big. Okay. And we, got the, we had a sweeping, sweeping shot come into the mayor who folded his arms and said, not in my town, not in any of my five towns. <laughs> <laughs> and he had no idea why he was saying it. He just went along with it. <laughs> but so on the last, we did the gig and we, we like basically said to ourselves, we gave each of us a task during the stand-up gig, you've got to do at least two jokes that are something to do with the town. Yeah, sure. So that we can mix it in with the footage. Yeah. And that day I had played... Um, as a you know, a practical joke sort of thing, Monty and I wore big, you know those big fat sumo suits, uh-huh. the padded things, and we had to try and score a rugby touchdown against the under eighteen national rugby team. Okay, sure. Who look like they're a bit older than eighteen? Let's be honest, <laughs> they're like massive. Right, big, and I, big boys, I, like a lot of Islander yeah. boys. That, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, Maori guys. Yeah. I got, I got knocked out for like twelve seconds. They. Picked me up and dropped me, and I decided because part of the costume is the big right. padded helmet of the you know the the yeah. hair in the bun thing, and I thought that looks stupid on TV. Right. I'm not wearing that. No, I don't want to look ridiculous <laughs> in my sumo suit while I'm playing rugby union Let's against a, bit a of bunch dignity, of giants. Okay, <laughs> you know what? I have a line. <laughs> it turns out I have a line. <laughs> <laughs> so you sort this out Kindly squeeze me back into my trailer what? And we'll sort it out. <laughs> 
So I in, they basically picked me up, dropped me on the ground, and my head, you know, like like Marty McFly in uh, Back to the Future yep. when he gets hit by the car, uh-huh. head hit the back. And next thing I know, it was just the camera guy lifting me up. <laughs> You're right. So I talked about that in the stand up, yeah, and it sure. went. It was like, you know, perfect. Sadly, it's probably the best joke I've ever done. I oh, can't no, no. do it again. Cause it's I a- mean, people <laughs> love you almost dying. <laughs> like. And then after the show, exactly what we said would happen happened. The, uh, the mayor of the town was there. And this other guy who runs the um, sheep shearing shed, who we'd done an interview with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> New Zealand, really, yeah, knocking, yeah. Down, the, knocking mean, sheep, down the stereotypes. Quote, unquote, sheep shearing, shearing shed. shed. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's what we're calling it, these guys. <laughs> and it turns out those two back in the high school days had had a fight. Oh, of course they had. And we organised an arm wrestling match between them to settle things once and for all. Oh. <laughs> and we did that and we did... Um, uh, guys took us mud crab uh, fishing. Like We were out in the middle of the night trying to get mud crabs but because it was the last night all the camera guys and that had gone home so everything we said the show would be none of that bit got filmed <laughs> so then that show didn't go ahead either <laughs> <laughs> so then six years later right. after i've done all this just been doing stuff on youtube for no reason so the first video max and i did for youtube was um shit never said during the olympics while the olympics was on and it got showed on Channel 10 News and was on news.com.au. So I was like, oh, well, you know, this is obviously a good idea to keep doing these things. It's fun to try and By the way, noise. that other show, there's still something yeah. great in that show. Yeah. Here's, here's how I would do it. Right. I would say you go to a town. Like, you know, I still like that postcards idea. And you could do it, you know, wherever, yeah. all over the world, you know. But, yeah. like, you know, starting in Australia or whatever. But <clears throat> I, I like what you're saying about doing the gig at the start. But here's what I would do for the television. I'd have you go into town, do a gig at the start. And maybe you'll film some of that. You might use some of the, like, you know, the boys got in the first night and they did the gig. Yeah. And then you stay for like, you know, two or three days yeah. or whatever. And then I would also have another gig at the end of the week. Yeah, right. Like one that you film where you yeah. all do talk about right. the stuff that happened. And, it's, and yeah. so you feel, you've got the stuff you filmed, you, you, that's how you make the show, but you can also like have yeah. you know a bit of stand-up at the end. And because by then everyone knows you and that's, that's part of the process. Yeah. And that's what I said, because I've, I've actually talked about idea. this like with it. Marianne since then, and we both agree. And I think too, and I think I brought your name up to try and push you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it, my name being brought up It doesn't have to though. be... Us each week. I'll do oh. the first one. Next week, Will Anderson's on. Right. Lawrence Mooney's on. That is a good point. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. actually matter, does it? You could have one person who's always there as yeah. the MC or something. But yeah, it doesn't matter. So that uh, that's sort of still one on the back burner that I think still has uh, legs, especially with the new idea that I just came up with of doing a gig at the end as well. Right, good idea. <laughs> well, um, I'll write that down. Well, I, I believe my name's already been connected to the yeah, project, yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a credit of some sort. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too busy anyway, mate. Yeah. I've got this whole thing about uh, comedy and chefs where we're combining it. <laughs> that's, that's my you new have, thing. You've loaded up your plate this yeah. afternoon. Right. So... Yeah, that one didn't go ahead either. And so then you can understand why six years later my manager uh, messages me uh, uh, an email from Marianne Carroll, just taken over comedy, and she said um, she just watched some of the old things they've made, which was the pilot we did six years ago, which, by the way, I'll happily admit, if that was on telly now, it's rubbish. It's going Because it just doesn't have the same feel of now that there's YouTube and that, it's sort of old school, slow paced. I mean... Like that's why when you see an old comedy, yeah. that, an old comedy that is still great, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because 
comedy itself changes Evolved, so yeah. rapidly. Yeah. Like, I mean, Lenny Bruce, you know, the person who yeah. really invented American stand-up comedy yeah. in some ways, you know, mm-hmm. like you can't, like most of his stuff you could barely listen to. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, well, if you did this at a comedy club, <laughs> yeah. like you wouldn't even get to be the headliner. <laughs> <Lenny. laughs> like, you'd be that weird guy yeah. who's still playing open mics <laughs> because it takes like 90 minutes to make four jokes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So this is where it paid off because all the stuff I'd done on YouTube purely for fun, mucking around yeah. every day. Marianne saw me on the pilot we did, typed my name into Google, whatever, and saw all these clips. So then she asked me and I said, I honestly don't think I can be bothered with this media game because it's just the same thing. That we're just going to do something yeah. and it's not going to happen. But I thought, I'll get a bit of money for the pilot. Right. <laughs> so I went and met with her and... So like I did, like within, I reckon, two minutes of the conversation, I realised Marianne and I are just on the same page so much. So uh, knows what she's talking about. I I haven't had like (laughs) the opportunity to work with her too closely, you know, in in the last decade or more. But when I first started doing comedy and she was like working at the comedy festival or around the comedy festival and I met her through that. Yeah. And always, even 20 years ago, you know, one of those people that you just knew was good people. Yeah. Like, and, you know, obviously, I mean, even the fact that she was watching the old stuff. Yeah. And she's still... Like, that's why you yeah. had to have the meeting. Somebody had actually seen your pilot. And she was, <laughs> <to this day. laughs> she well, was officially your biggest fan of that stuff. Well, the, the effort you see agents and managers go to in LA and stuff, yep. that's what she does. She goes to hundreds of festival shows. She really, you know, does takes her job seriously. And she's just... Like, I, I got to a point, this is how good she is at knowing comedy, knowing what works. We got to a point this season where in the edit room where we watch everything, I said to her before it, um, I've come to the conclusion that you're always right. Even when you say something and I think it's not right, two days later I agree. Right. So feel free to remind me of that any time you want. <laughs> It'll just save time. <laughs> because she is. She just, no, even if you go, nah, that can't be right. Two days later you go, fuck, she was right about that. Some people have really great instincts. Yeah. And she, she, yeah, she's become one of my best friends and it's just... Oh, if I can, everything I do from now on, I'll try and include her in some way. Because just her overseeing it and her oh, just honing things in and knowing, you know, sequences of where sketches should go and what it should, you know, she just knows how to bring the funny out of it. Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. Yeah. And I, I in no way mean this, and this is purely speculation. What I'm about to say next is purely yeah. speculation. Like, I loved Chris Lilly's uh, first... You know, a few TV series. Yeah. I thought, like, you know, the the Australian of the Year one yeah, and yeah. the Summer Heights High one yeah. were as good as any yeah. sketch comedy or Absolutely. like that long form narrative sketch <laughs> comedy that I've ever seen. Like, you know, but an Australian do. I loved yeah. it. And then I, I am I am less fond of his other stuff. It's right. not for me. I know it has big audiences, like in different ways, but I just never could ever quite get into anything else. Right. And the only I've I've looked at the credits. And the only thing that I've noticed that is different is that um, uh, that Laura Waters at Princess Pictures used to do, I believe, a lot more collaboration with Chris. Right. And I think that maybe now he's a little <laughs> bit more auteur. And again, I'm speculating. This okay. is like, you yeah, know, yeah. so... But I, I think that you should never... Like, the, the, A, the importance of having a great collaborator. Yeah. Okay, let's let's take it out of the Chris world because that's probably... <clears throat> I don't know enough about that. Yeah. Let's, this is one that everyone can understand. 
uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Both brilliant in their own right. Yeah. But there's something about them together. Exactly, yeah. That creative relationship yeah. that makes both of them better. Yeah. They are not as good. There is something about the sum of their two parts that makes them better than yeah. either of them are individually. And I, um, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Like Seinfeld's great and he's a fine stand-up and all those sort of things. But that Seinfeld TV show worked because it was Seinfeld and Larry yeah. David. Well, and I, Seinfeld brings it a you know commerciality yeah. to what Larry did that he never would have had without Seinfeld. Absolutely. You know, so. And I'd happily admit if if I was giving everything the show, the equipment, uh, editing and all that, the show Kinney, season one and two, if Marianne Carroll wasn't involved as she is, it would not be half as good if not wouldn't be ready for TV. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe you've got to be, become like a lawyer, like a yeah. law firm, and next se- season yeah. it's called Kinney uh, Carroll. Kinney yeah. Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not go crazy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say Carroll Because Kinney. the difference was... When, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> the difference was, in the first pilot, like I said, we didn't uh, get to do any of the editing. We sort of just sort of went along with what was said. And so I was so surprised. I said to Max, I said, be prepared, like, you're going to have to give in a bit of control here and all that. But it was nothing. And I think because as well, Seven Mate, what I like about Seven Mate is it's become like a cable channel here. Like, it's one where they want it to be a bit rough. You know, it's a platform where people can get on there and, you know, we can have a bit more swearing, have a bit more, you know, stuff that we get to see over in America. And I think because of that, we, like, had total control of the editing. We edited the whole thing. Marianne comes in with screening... We, you know, workshop ideas and all that, but it's like nothing compared to the last time. So that's really changed the whole outlook for me. Like I'm very much willing to keep working like this if that's if that's a way I'm allowed to. Okay, so you, you end up having a television show on uh, <clears throat> TV. Yeah. Now, it's not on the, the biggest network, but it's got your name in the title. So yeah. suddenly, you know... Do people now know who you are? Like, there's because it's because yeah. the thing I know about your show because I've I've been away uh, yeah. both seasons while it's been mm-hmm. on. But the thing I know from watching online and just kind of seeing how people react is <clears throat> for those people who like it, they think it's the best thing they've ever seen, and they right. you know what I mean like it's definitely got that sort of audience. Yeah. yeah. So people with great senses of humor. Well, yeah. I should so, right? <laughs> That's all you can assume. Yeah. Geniuses. Like it's like when I say this all the time, if someone laughs heaps louder in an audience than everybody else, yeah. like and everybody else is kind of like mocking them, I will always stop and go, No. <laughs> They're right. Yeah. They're the ones who are getting it on the level you should all be getting it. See? See, if no one was getting on that level, I'd be arrogant to suggest that it operates on that level. But there is clear evidence that if you are smart enough, you can enjoy it that much. So maybe the rest of you can just start to That's what I think too, when like comedy is the probably the biggest uh, form of art or not even art, but anything where people feel they have the right to criticize and there's like for you like like you said, if someone doesn't like yeah, we'll get the comments that oh sorry this one wasn't funny or whatever it's like okay so what we've got the right to say what are your comedy credentials right <laughs> like, i've i've been to the american comedy institute right. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's a, a table uh, me killing yeah, you, you've, you've won awards sold out shows all your friends are comedians so maybe if i think something's funny maybe it fucking is right <laughs> oh no no i've, I've pointed that out to yeah, people. Yeah. i'm like out of us i'm not saying that i, I like but if we t- say, let's use the climate science yeah. argument. 
you, the audience, are Andrew Bolt, and I am 97% of the world's climate scientists. I may not be right, but there's more chance that I'm right than you're right. So, so just fucking go with it, all right? You know, it's yeah. the equivalent of the passenger saying to the pilot, you know, when he yeah. says we're going up to 30,000 feet, somebody go, make it 28. <laughs> no. no, mate, you don't. I, I'm telling you, but yeah. you don't get to make this yeah. decision. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, but, but people ask, that they yeah. say that was a good idea, um, calling the show Kinney. Yeah. Like, you know, what made you come to that conclusion? <laughs> it's like, all right. Well, the pilot, uh, Max's mate, who uh, does graf- some graphics for the show, he just made it for us, not knowing what the title was. He just made a Kinney sign come out. He's like, all right, well, guess we'll call the pilot Kinney. It right. was going to be, because it was going to be Night Watch or something. <laughs> it <was gonna> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't then, it that vampire detective show? <laughs> <laughs> so then when we came around, when they picked up the series and said, all right, now you make the actual series. And it was like, well, we don't really want to have to make that graphic again. Do right. we? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's called Kitty. We couldn't right. be fucked making the graphic again. But that, I think that's good because when people <laughs> oh. now yell at you, because yeah. people tend to yell the oh, name yeah. of your show. Yeah. And if the name of your show is your actual name, then yeah. at least you're... You know. So now when I've gone in to do publicity stuff for the radio, they say, do we call you Kinney or Joy? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, it's not like Madonna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, certainly um, it, it is different now. People do uh, starting to recognise me and things like that. And I am glad I called it Kinney because it does uh, makes it a bit easier <laughs> and gets, you, gets your name out there. Right, yeah. No, it's an interesting thing. And it's an interesting, I think, moment, you know, when somebody has something start to connect with <clears throat> an audience. Like, I mean, not that you yeah. hadn't had, you know, yeah. instances of that on a whole bunch mm. of different levels. Yeah. But it's a, it is a different sort of ball game a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the one I compared it to when I was first doing interviews with journalists and that stuff was... Because I and it's sort of lucky I did this. My mum had tickets to see Paul Hogan live, uh-huh. um, and my dad. She was going with my dad, so I remember growing up. My mum and dad were right into the Paul Hogan show. Yeah, I remember at my I think it was my dad's fortieth or one of their friends' fortieth was a party in our backyard. They were all dressed as that Arthur Dunger character, right? And I didn't know who Arthur Dunger was. I just thought, look at all these fucking slobs. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought they were my dad's mates. <laughs> That's how big Paul Hogan was. Uh, I mean, in that the biggest. Yeah. I, you know, for the Americans, because we always, they, yeah. in America, they obviously are obsessed that, you know, Paul Hogan is all they think about Australia. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what people don't know, like before the Americans Crocodile don't know, Under, is yeah. before Crocodile Under, yeah. he was like the biggest sketch star on Australian yeah. television. And in a way, that was quintessentially what Australia saw itself as being at that time. Yeah. You know, that thing that he was like, imagine that guy, you know, that what Crocodile Dundee became to the world, this guy doing sketches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when this is at a time where there was talk to show. And it was the biggest thing on Australian yeah, television. Yeah. That's the other thing I should point out. Like, this is, he, he wasn't on uh, Seven Mate. Everyone rushing home. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't putting him on one of the side channels. This was, and, this uh, was big time. So, in this, in this period where there was talk, the show might, you know, they're starting to watch the pilot, they might make it a series. It was looking good. Still not sure, though. You know, history of <laughs> shows right. going ahead isn't, isn't for the best me, for me. For me, thrice. <laughs> And uh, my mum, my dad was working offshore, so my mum said, I've got a spare ticket to Paul Hogan. Do you want to go? I said, yeah, I'll go. So I went and watched. And I had seen, you know, bits and pieces of the clips and that. So in his live show, he shows a lot of the old clips. And I was like, fuck, this is... So this is when I'm trying to think of 
what do I want the show to have if it goes ahead? Like, do I want to have some stand-up in it or Vox Pops on the streets? Then when I saw his, it was just simple, relatable stuff, which is what I'd been trying to do anyway, and just so simple. And anything that's in the public's conscious already, you know, you're always, you almost get an extra couple of comedy points already because they know what you're talking about. Right. So I left going, this is what I need to be doing. And literally went out, had a text from Mary Ann saying, uh, meeting, do you want to meet tomorrow? Basically, the show is going to go ahead. So, like, that was – so that's why in most of the meetings, I said Paul Hogan has been a big influence, even though it was only from the night right. before. <laughs> but a massive influence. Yeah, yeah. Very late-minute influence, <clears throat> yeah. but it was a massive influence. <laughs> no, but I think that perhaps – I mean, I, I think that weirdly enough, without even being conscious of that, that, that to me seems exactly where – because it's been, I think – finding someone who fills that space yeah it's so weird that paul hogan was so massive and then since paul hogan there hasn't really <laughs> been yeah you know like when louis ck comes along or seinfeld comes along or whatever then for the next four years or five years all you see is other people who are just like Let, get us a seinfeld <laughs> yeah yeah but paul hogan's never been able no. to kind of and eric banner was close with his show but eric know. was much more like yeah. as people have found out about eric you know a skilled yeah. technician sort of rather than quicker than, yeah. than that allowed him to become that industry. right yeah. but also with eric i think what happened is that eric like is a great actor and eric is a, a, a amazing performer but eric's heart i don't think was ever in the creation right like, I mean, even when he was doing stand-up, you know, Dave O'Neill and guys like that would write for... I mean, I think he wrote some of his own stuff yeah. as well. But, you know, like, I think, you know, Hogan was a creator. Like, he wanted to create yeah. stuff and do stuff. You know, that famous... I think it was the Shrimp on the Barbie one. Yeah. But I know... I, I'm pretty sure he came up with that campaign for yeah. free. Yeah. Like, you know, he went over to the advertising agency and they shot around some ideas and they came up with... I mean, I think he got paid for the campaign. Yeah. But, but, you know, the actual creation yeah, of it yeah. or whatever. He was a creative guy and yeah. that's where you come from. You come from that world of, like, wanting to actually make stuff. Well, that, rather- that's definitely my... Yeah, my favourite part of it is the creative process. I mean, I, if I wouldn't care if I didn't get to watch anything. I just like the, the joy of making it all and bringing it all together. Now, here's the big question. Right. Will we see you in a remake of Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, if so, I probably won't be playing the lead, but yeah. <laughs> Crocodile Kinney. Yeah. We can do it. That, that'll that be the, yeah, the, the reboot. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're over here in America at the moment. Yeah. What are you doing? Are you just on holidays? or I uh, um, uh, came over to work, so... Basically, we were planning a bit of a holiday straight after um, after we finished editing. Uh, we were going to have a bit of a holiday come back and then Kinney was going to go to air and I'd do publicity for it and things like that. Then they moved forward the show, so it was on our holiday. So now our holiday has become a bit of a working holiday <laughs> and, and my plan was to come back, do the show, do some live shows, uh, which I'll be doing after the series um, around the country. And then I was going to come back because myself and Josh Lawson are working on a film we want to try and make at the start of next year. And But then when the show got shifted, it sort of seemed pointless. Of, and Josh basically, he, God bless him, tried to move stuff around so that, you know, I could come back and be, be at home when the show was on and things like that. But basically, I have this is the only time we're going to get to work on this script before we want to film it. So I'm here working on a script with Josh. That uh, hopefully we're going to film in January. Have you had some fun while you're here, though? Have you done anything yeah. exciting? What have yeah. you done? <clears throat> um, did a couple of gigs. Did a gig at the Comedy Cellar in New York, which was like People- almost a dream come true on a Saturday night. Uh, it's about as 
like, I mean, in so far as com- and I've never done the cellar, and I yeah. want to do the cellar. Um, if there's anyone listening from the cellar, <laughs> yeah. maybe you tuned in for my excellent ideas about comedy and food before. <laughs> but um, no, uh, but it's. I mean, it's where you see on the opening credits of Louis Louis going into the comedy yeah. club. That's the comedy cellar. Yeah. It's you know, then, the yeah, heart the of New York pizza comedy. The one next to it and everything. Right. Oh, look at you. It's your perfect night. Yeah, yeah. You can do comedy <laughs> and get a slice of pizza. Well, no barbecue chicken. See you later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a mini version yeah. where all the pizzas are themed on the acts of the people yeah, who yeah. play at the comedy cellar. But i got to tell you, um, our work, uh, Josh and I working on the script, has taken a bit of a, a hit. Because the last few days, uh, so we went to Vegas for the Mayweather fight and our f- a friend over there, Ben Schwartz, who's in a um, TV show with Josh called House of Lies, he told us about these things, I don't know if you've heard of them, called um, escape rooms. Have you heard of these? Hang on, so what's an escape room? <laughs> oh, you're going to fucking love it. I'm okay. so glad you haven't go. heard Good. of it yet. All right, tell me. So an escape room, and this is the weird thing for Australian listeners. We only brought this up with a lady at the escape room yesterday. Um <laughs> Which, <laughs> which gives you an indication of where my life's gone. <laughs> All right, okay, this but is great. Apparently, Australia is one of the places where they started and it's huge there. So Escape rooms. So get excited, people in Australia listening. I'm about to change your lives. Is right? the first r- rule of escape room club that you're not meant to talk about it, Jerome? Because I've never heard of the escape room. Well, yeah, I, I'm surprised that uh, no one has heard of it whenever you bring it up. But, okay. Um, they're popular because a lot of them are, are sold out. So... Escape room is basically you get it's normally six of you, so you All get right. six friends, uh-huh. and you go and they put you in a room that's got a theme, and you've got an hour to try and escape from it, and you basically use clues that you find in the room, and it's like it's the best fun you'll ever have in your life. So I mean, so far, it sounds pretty fun. I got to yeah, be honest with yeah, you. F- there is a big part of me that's like, oh, I would like to oh, live in a mystery. I'll, this I'll is get, like this is an indication of how fun it is. Yesterday. Uh, myself and friends did three of them. <laughs> Josh, like this is we we're supposed to be working. Josh, like rang and he scheduled it all out of like, <laughs> and like it's different companies, so you got to go from one end of town to the other. Like, so oh. there's about thirty companies that do all different ones. There's an escape room circuit. Yeah. So, in, and so tell me, like, give me an example of the thing. Here's order. one yeah. uh, in Vegas. This is a, I'll whet your appetite straight away. Yep. There's one called the Saw Room. Uh-huh. You start off, six of you, chained up to the wall. Okay. So and you, you know what? Yeah. I'm not sure that I could start there. That's, <laughs> right. Well, I didn't if, do that one, but I, they showed us the room. I was going to say, if I went to uh, an escape room <clears throat> yeah. for the first time and I was still a little unsure of what the concept right. was and they said, well, first we're going to chain you to the walls and leave you in this locked room, I'd be like, you know what? Do you have one like that's an escape from a forest or something for us that I can... You know that waiver I signed? Can I reread yeah. that for a second? <laughs> All right, well, the one we did... It's going to be me and five lawyers because I need them to look over the paperwork. (laughs) So the second one we did, and this is the one you should, I reckon you should start with, it's called The Castle instead of a place called Maze Rooms. So this Maze Rooms, they have about five different ones you can do. So we did The Castle first and the best part is they are, there's two, they're run by this uh, Russian family. Sure. And I think the one so we met one, and then we obviously met the brother at another one. It's like you know, the spitting image. And like, Do you get the impression that maybe like when lights are out at night, the rooms are used for completely <laughs> yeah. different things for the business? Like, can I bring in yeah. one of those CSI black lights yeah. first before I they lock me to anything? <laughs> Double cockfighting in the morning, <laughs> escape rooms in the <laughs> afternoon. Is there a weird, de- weird lame rooster in this room. Is this part of the? <laughs> so this guy, like thick Russian, and like. Just looks like he doesn't give a shit about his job, and he's sort of supposed to. It's almost like a theme restaurant. He's supposed okay. to take on a character, and he just goes, "Okay, so 
The deal is you go into this castle, uh, you need to find clues to get out of there because you need to find save the princess, and the princess has been kidnapped by an evil wizard who is me. <laughs> <laughs> world's, world's worst wizard. Yeah. Like just some guy doesn't give a shit, so bored of, yeah. like this is my life. But once you get in there. So it's the basically room. like in that episode of The <clears throat> Simpsons where it's like across the land where it's New yeah. Year's Eve every night, <laughs> and the guy's just like, Please kill me, kill me. me. <laughs> <laughs> So what happens in this room? You go in, it's a, a castle. And it's like, it's awesome. It looks like you're in a castle. And you just basically says, go. Turn, he turns the egg timer over. You've got 60 minutes to get out of there. And you can... What uh, happens if you don't get out in 60 minutes? That you just get let out. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> you get let out and feel like you right. failed. Hey, guys, I'm just going to... You know what? I'm just going to oh. check my tweets because in an hour we'll be out anyway. <laughs> And we were here for the whole hour and we paid for the parking. So this is my technique to escape. I'm going to wait up the hour and then the bored Russian dude's going to let me out. So you guys do whatever you want, but I'm going to go the not-so-great escape route. The first, the first one we did in Vegas was hilarious because there's basically one door there that's got a big lock on it and you've got to try and escape. But uh, all throughout it, we were getting hints and the guy obviously who was running it knew they're not on the right track or whatever. And something wouldn't work in the room. And he was just wandering in through the other door we came. <laughs> just wandering. Okay, guys, so you just have to push that. But yeah, there you go. And then right, hang on. That's, can we just go out that door? Yeah, yeah. That... It's like completely destroying the illusion that we're trapped in this thing. I mean, that is pretty fun, though. Yeah. But uh, the castle one is like, here's an example of what to expect. Like, and so the maze room ones, someone from Universal Studios helps design the rooms. That's okay. how cool that is. Yep. So the castle one, right, we're in this, there's a painting. We actually fluked this bit, but there's a painting that is of the castle. So at the end of this table, there's a, a skeleton of a king with uh, his knighting shiny armour stuff sure. on, but his head's not on. And so you, you see a head in a basket. You get the head and put it on him, and you're thinking, you know, that's the thing to do, but why? Then in the painting, you notice the torches that are on the wall are in the wrong spot. So you put them in the right spot. A laser comes out of the helmet pointing to a brick on the wall you get that brick and it comes out of the wall and there's a key behind it. Then you use that key to open this door that takes you into another little room. And it's just, it's just shit like that. I'm going to get those fuckers to do my apartment. <laughs> if, I ever, if I ever strike it rich, which I bet I will with my comedy food show, if I strike it really, really rich, I am going to design my entire house like that. That be would awesome. be the best. Like, but it's gotten the, So we did that one and then, like I said, yesterday we did three in a row. And we did one that uh, was um, you got to escape from a motel room. One was an FBI room. Okay. So you're in this FBI room. There's a prison cell. You've got to get a key to uh, open the prison cell. There's a severed arm in there with a, a piece of paper on it that's got a map. And you've got to r- figure out what that's for. You find a computer that's uh, got people on there who are um, suspects in this murder. And then you find these folders that have the suspects in it. So you've got to link up on the computer where they were found and things like that. And then, like, you'll click something and a, a door will open up into another room. Like, it's all that fantasy stuff that you love when you're a kid. Okay, so here's the problem. The only problem that I have with this yeah. that I can see so far, because so far I'm in. But 
the problem is, and I hate to use, you know, uh, an argument called the slippery slope fallacy, yeah. which is what people use, you know, in gay marriage and stuff. They're yeah. like, yeah, well, if gay people get married, what next? You yeah. know, people marry their dogs, right? <laughs> but I believe the slippery slope might be, because you look at video games and stuff, it's always about escal- escalation. Yeah. Everything's more violent or more sexual yeah, whatever, yeah, than yeah. the next. Where does this go? I know. Are we going to see the Fritzel experience? <laughs> Are we yeah. going to see the Anne Frank diary experience? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... This is where I see this yeah, going. Yeah. That's the thing. And there's already ones that are getting, like there's a zombie one where every five minutes a zombie that's chained up, the chain gets released an extra foot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And soon they're going to do that with prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> they will turn prisons into these. Yeah, yeah. This will be like, we've, we've, we have, we've got too many people in prison. We have to do something with it. We're turning it into an event. <laughs> But the best one was that the last one we did was an apartment where you've got to defuse a bomb oh, before you get out. That's pretty fun, yeah. though. And so all of them, right, the person who lets you in the room is just outside and you can use an intercom. So after 25 minutes, you're allowed to get a clue if you're yeah. not if you're yeah, struggling. Yeah, if you're struggling for not what Which to do. the idea is if you get out with no clues, you get your name gets put on the yeah. top people who can do it. But um, we've you know, used a couple of clues in most of them. But on the, the last one... Uh, the, la- the lady uh, who told us about it, she goes, so you've done a couple of these before, yeah, so this one, uh, there's a bomb you have to defuse and all this. She goes, what I'll do, I've just got to go and prepare something, I'll come back in and tell you about it. She comes back in dressed as a, <laughs> like an, a secret agent and is in character. <laughs> and like, you try not to laugh through the whole thing. And she shows to the room, but in this one, she stayed in the room with us. She stands in the corner to help you if you ever need help and she stays in character. So it's just like... <laughs> So, and she was pretty good looking as well. Oh, man. So halfway through, I was saying to uh, Josh and Max, I was saying, you guys just pretend you got something to do, I reckon. I'll get get something going. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so funny you because... At, you guys look for clues in the other corner? Cause, so, uh, <laughs> like, so she's trying to... We finally get into the room using this ridiculous code thing. Um, so she's obviously there to help you when you get, things are going wrong. But it got to the point where... And this is the third one we did that day. We were starting to like lose our minds a little bit. And like there'd be something there's a shoebox under the bed and we just don't see it. And she's like, Are you guys sure you've checked everywhere? Maybe have you checked under the bed? <laughs> so we should check under the bed, should we? <laughs> and the very last thing was the thing to defuse the bomb we needed to know um, whether to cut a red wire or a black wire. And it's like, but well, how do we know which one? And she goes, Well, you guys obviously should just check everywhere for clues. So maybe, maybe the wall or the cupboard. And Josh just goes, so we check the wall, will we? <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't you just cut the wire? This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, which wire? Just tell us. Red or black? But they are so much fun. It's just, oh, no, that sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah, you'd love it. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that's good. I like that. <laughs> You're coming. That's a good note. But the uh, thing is, if you do too many in a row like we did, yeah, it stays with you. So oh. I got home and like, oh, we, oh you think everything's you're looking a... under the teapot for a key or something. <laughs> I would like that. I, yeah, I'm going to start just awesome. doing that. Yeah. I'm just going to... You know what? Here's, here's some fun. Here's some, here's some fun I can have. Uh, I... As I just said to you, I was like, you know, sometimes there's no one here in the apartment if I'm yeah. on tour or if I'm at home or whatever. Um, I say, you know, say, so let, let me know if you're in town and, you know, someone else has got the key and whatever. And I've had a you're few... You're saying this to me, not listeners. <laughs> no, yeah, that's correct. Uh, but I... Um, uh, but I did have a friend stay here recently yeah. and uh, in that situation where I didn't even see them. Like someone else gave them a key right. and they were out by the time that <laughs> yeah. I got back, you know, so they'd just been staying here. But imagine. Yeah. And so I know that when someone's staying here, 
Of course they go through your stuff. Yeah. Like everybody goes through people's stuff. Yeah. You assume if someone's staying at your house, they're going <laughs> to... I'm not saying they'll go through everything, yeah. but, you know, you're going to see stuff. What if I just put like a series of like clues <laughs> and stuff under and like with some result, like some... Yeah cool thing oh, just, but just never mention that there is that and then people just start to like put, they pull up the thing and they're like hang on look under the or even just the key to get in it's like yeah you can stay at my place but you're gonna have to fucking earn it yeah. <laughs> no but I like the idea that these things are just here yeah. and they suddenly start to you, go is there you haven't clues them <laughs> like why is there clues all over the house and just to see if people would start doing the clues because you would wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. I mean I would a I'd bit I love it yeah <laughs> I feel like you're in Goonies or something <laughs> That's uh-huh. a funny one, Goonies. So mm-hmm. people have such a connection to the movie Goonies. Yeah. And uh, I never saw Goonies when I was a kid. Right. I only saw it as an adult, which I right. think is like one of those things where it's like seeing, I guess, Star Wars as an adult Later, now. Yeah. It's like you can't yeah. capture whatever excitement you had as a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I think you will enjoy this story. Yeah. Is that um, it, it was like Chunk, right? That was his name, yeah. right? Chunk from yeah. the Goonies. He is now a celebrity lawyer, I believe, right. like an <laughs> entertainment lawyer. <laughs> yeah, well. And apparently he does not like being remembered necessarily as like Chunk, Chunk. from the Goonies. <laughs> but if you get him drunk <laughs> enough, he will do the truffle truffle <laughs> on the dance floor. So... I think that's a nice story. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Troy, tell people. Um, so, where will people be able to find like your staff? Where can they watch the show? Tell people, the Australian listeners, uh, what time the show is on. Uh, the show is on Thursdays, nine thirty on Seven Mate, which is normally Channel Seven Three. Uh-huh. Uh, some people are getting confused because they're showing replays of the last episode, the previous one, every Wednesday night at 11 or something. So if you're watching at 11, that's not the new episode. Watch it the next night at 9.30. And basically our Facebook page, Kinney TV Show, um, has all the clips, the bonus clips, and basically our favourite sketches from each episode are on that page. Uh, Can people watch those clips anywhere in the world? Uh, Yep. And if, yeah, on the Facebook ones, you can watch from anywhere in the world. And to watch a full episode or, uh, you know, a catch-up episode, um, Yahoo 7 slash Kinney. Uh, you can watch full episodes on there. Okay, that's yeah. cool. And yeah. uh, when you do this tour later in the year, where will people be able to find out details, yeah, so gonna, dates, etc.? Yeah, going to hit all the capital cities. So basically on the Facebook page, I'm going to put up a, a little bit of a, a teaser for that and um, and list the places we'll be going. So we go Sydney, Adelaide, Brisbane, Perth, and some little towns around those areas as well. So we'll try and make it as easy for people as possible to come along. It's the uh, uh, Troy Kinney's uh, places that do have postcards. <laughs> <Yeah. too>. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to any of those little shitty towns for no, no, my no. money-making exercise. <laughs> 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 no, or- o- Otorunga. What was it? <laughs> I can't remember. If you can't say it, it's not worth going to. Let's, let's go on that. It's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else that you want to plug, mate? No, just, the, I mean, the TV show and, uh, yeah, look out for dates for the live show coming up after that. Uh, I, uh, on the 15th of May uh, here in LA, I'll be doing the set list show uh, with Emo Phillips, TJ Miller from uh, Silicon Ooh. Valley, who is brilliantly funny, Eliza Skinner, 
Um, it's a really good lineup. So uh, th- that's on the 15th uh, at the Improv on Melrose. And then uh, the first two weeks of June, I will be at the Soho Theatre doing my free will shows. Um, so come out and see those. That'd be really good fun. And uh, on the Saturday, June the 6th at 11pm, I will be doing the first ever live uh, version of this podcast there at the Soho Theatre as well. Uh, so uh, Fofop Live in the UK or Fofuck as we're calling it. Very <laughs> cleverly acronym. <laughs> acronymed uh and then after that uh on july i've got a whole bunch of gigs around la but uh the the big uh things to take note of on july 11 i'll be doing free will the entire show at uh the nerd melt theater at meltdown comics um so that is saturday night july the 11th that's going to be free but it's going to be one of those ones uh where you have to register for a ticket to make sure that you get a ticket so when the link's up i'll tell everybody about that and then uh it's just been announced even though i don't actually know my dates or venues but it got announced uh, just this week that I will be uh, going back to Montreal again this year to do a solo show again so thanks to everyone who came out last year uh, apparently that went well uh, and they've invited me back again to do uh, Free Will the new show so if you're listening in Montreal or if you're going to Montreal I will be doing Free Will there and a bunch of other shows as well but I'll tell you more about those as we get closer to those dates Troy it has been an absolute pleasure mate thanks mate, for making the time thank you thank you for having me